0: The following has been recorded at Cairn University. Any reproduction of this recording without the express permission of the university is prohibited. It's great to be on the campus of Cairn University. How many got a pretzel on the way in? How many have not had a pretzel yet? Okay, I hope there's some left out there. I saw people with three or four, so I hope you grab a pretzel. That's okay. Maybe you needed that this morning. That's not a big deal at all. All right, as Dean Swift said, I wanted to bring you Byler's Donuts. I negotiated with them to be open on Labor Day. Then they said, why don't you negotiate to have an off day at Cairn University? And I said, I don't have that power. So, sorry for that. Um, but it is a privilege to be here with you. So, here's a couple confessions I'll make real quick before we jump into Romans chapter 1. All right. First of all, some of you remember one thing from last year's chapel when I was here, and that's donuts. But just for the fun of it, and it's it's not going to bother me, does anybody remember what we actually spoke on after the donuts? Does anybody remember that? I've got a $10 gift card for you if you do. Some of you remember me giving away gift cards. We did, hey. (laughs) Where's my Jesus man? Who said Jesus? Hey, come on up here. You get, hey. That's a good answer. Appreciate it. You betcha, man. What's your name? Tim. Tim? Hey, when in doubt, when in doubt, Jesus, we did talk about the four friends. Remember the four friends? Okay, three of you do. Great. All right. Uh, but um, I do make this confession. If for some reason, and the chances that are very slim, if I am invited back sometime later this year or next year and it's not on Labor Day I will bring Byler's Donuts. How many have had Byler's Donuts? Freshmen, you don't know what you're missing if you haven't had. How many have had Byler's Donuts? Changed your life, didn't it? Almost. All right. This is risky, but I'm going to ask the question anyhow. Sometimes holidays make us do crazy things. Did anybody get engaged this weekend? Is, is that my friend, is that my good friend Ben back there? And she said yes? Wow. Ben, I, I struggle with this because I really wanted to give it to somebody for a random reason. But come on up here. I have a $25 gift card for you to Amazon. Uh, Congratulations, and congratulations, I think, to your fiancé as well. Uh, uh, Now, really happy for the two of you, uh, and that $25 is not going to get you very far, but that's okay. (laughs) Glad to share it with you. We'll do a couple more questions. We're going to talk from Romans chapter 1 in just a minute, uh, but usually I can't speak for 30 minutes, so we have to keep giving a couple more things away, all right? So I've, I've got Starbucks gift cards it's not as good as what's in the Highlander, although do you have, what is the coffee service at Starbucks? Are you allowed to use these there or no? Hmm. Oh. Mm. <laughs> I should have came and just gotten Highlander, bu- do they have Highlander bucks or what, like what is dollars or whatever? Cash? Yeah. <laughs> Cash? What century are we living in? <laughs> you mean I can't like Venmo, Apple Pay, none of that? Cash, oh, you can, okay, all right. Good enough. All right, now, this is not going to be easy, but I know I'm sitting with a highly educated group, I think. (laughs) Where are the freshmen? Just wave at me if you're a freshman. Okay, good. Glad you're, hey, God's got big things in store, all right? Good stuff, all right? All right, here's what we're going to do. Romans 1, 16 and 17 is Paul's thesis for the book of Romans. Okay. I am going to share with you the thesis of one of the faculty or administration's thesis. If you know who this person is, raise your hand. I'll call on you if you get it right. All right, these theses are really good. What was their thesis for their do- for their doctorate study research paper, all that good stuff? Here you go. First person up here. Their studies focused on group and organizational dynamics, change theory, systems theory, leadership analysis, and the application of complexity theories to social system, systems. The title of the dissertation was Group Development Through the Lens of Chaos Complexity Theory, and Exploration of a Nonlinear Analysis of Group Verbal Interaction. Whose was it? No. Whose was it? President Williams, President Williams is correct. Come on up here, you got it. You had no idea that that would ever come in and you didn't know that you just thought that's a good name to use, oh, right? I heard him. Oh, you heard him? He told me about it. And you remembered that? Yeah. That's outstanding. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, you should get another gift card just for remembering that. So, I have to look down to reread it again. All right, one more. Dr. Re- the research focused on the application of behavioral economics to student retention. Think about that for a second. The dissertation title was An Examination of Student Financial Security, which you never have, and Student Persistence Decision-Making in College. Who was that? Porcella. Porcella, you got it. Nicely done. Oh, Oh. It's like winning a championship right there. That was big. That was big. All right, last one. On the amazing faculty here at Cairn University, there are how many faculty who have earned doctorates. How many of your faculty have terminal degrees, earned doctorates? Here's the good part. When you send that first number out, I'll tell you higher or lower. So you're waiting for somebody to start the bidding, all right? 14. It is, okay, now you got to raise your hand because otherwise I don't know who won this. It is more than 14. I'm going to start there. Yes. It is more than 37. Yes. It is less than 50. Now, hang on a second. We're between 37 and 50, right? Put your hand down for a second. This is really important because especially freshmen right now, do not say 63, okay? It's just not an option. Okay, so some of you, I just want you to know right now, listen carefully. We're between 37 and 50. All right. Yes, ma'am. It is less than 45. The one who said, ooh, 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 in the white. Yes. It is more than 42. I'm going to go Yeshua. It is more than... Then 43. I'm coming right here. Yes, sir. Yes. You sure? <laughs> 44 it is. Come on up here. 44 it is. Congratulations. Congratulations. There was more pressure on that 44 than we realized. Okay. So that is good. All right. I'm going to start this up, I think. Good. So, Romans chapter 1. I want to frame this question out to you. In fact, I'm out of gift cards, although now you take cash, right? (laughs) Well, I have $2. All right. My apologies to my son. He gets nothing today. I was supposed to give him a gift card. Please do not let my wife know I do not have any gift cards for my son. That's all right. Really thankful for every single one of you here in the Privileged to Open God's Word to you today. The thesis of the book of Romans is found in Romans 1, 16 and 17. Dean Swift read the verses to you. We'll read them again in just a moment. I would argue that it's the greatest thesis of all time. Let's read those who see it here on the screen. For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God. You just sang it a few minutes ago. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. This is the, it is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the Scripture says, through faith that a, per, that a righteous person has life. As I speak to you today from this passage... I want to share with you from my heart that this is something that was not difficult for me as an 18-year-old student in college to embrace and say, wow, what God has done for me. I need the power of God to save me, to rescue me. It's God's righteousness because I know I'm unrighteous. But I'll say to you that my journey the last 33 years since that time has been a bumpy ride because I don't think I fully grasped what Paul is writing to us in the book of Romans, and I hope that we can capture some things that I am praying will take us when we think about what it looks like to identify ourselves as Christian. For those of you in this room, and I'm not assuming every one of us in this room has accepted Christ as our Savior, but if you are, if you've said, I've placed my faith and trust in the good news of the gospel, what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross is death and resurrection, taking my place. If I've done that, if we're honest, let's ask ourselves, is there times in my life where I am not able to say what Paul says here? We'd say, I am still sometimes ashamed of this good news. And I want to share with you from my heart that there are times, even for me in the role of leadership that I serve in, that I find myself in settings where I start thinking about my power or my righteousness and I've it's led to me being ashamed. Let's take that word for just a minute, all right, to relate it to a lot of areas of our life and then we'll bring it back to the gospel. I'm a lifetime diehard Philadelphia Eagles fan. Okay, that's not me back there, but that because I loved Reggie White too. But that was my story as an Eagles fan. Since 19, well, when I was born in 1972, there was a lot of suffering in my life. There were a lot of people. There's a lot of bad things said about Philadelphia fans that I disagree with. But everything changed in 2018. And, and I don't care whether you're a sports fan or not, but, oh, it was so special. When the Eagles fought, mainly because of the annoying Cowboys and Giants fans that were in my life, Okay. Yep, go ahead. It was the last millennium you ever won a playoff game. So it's okay, Cowboys fans. All right? So all of a sudden, this magic number happens, 4133. And all of a sudden, hey, Eagles fans pop up all over the place because we're not ashamed. There's an element of this. Now, for my son's sake, I'm about to show you another picture. Um, This is me, not my son. But you'll see something about my own journey. This is me at 10 years old. I had hair and I'm flexing those massive, as you can tell, six-inch arms that I had, all right, thinking I was something. scary part is those shorts are back in style. That's what really scares me, (laughs) all right? Yeah, I'm sorry for that, too. We better get off of that picture really quickly here. But I want to say this for just a moment with you. This isn't today about whether I'm ashamed of a sports team or whether some of us look in my own life journey, if I was to share my story as a kid growing up, there were a lot of things about my appearance and who I was that I was very ashamed of. There was a lot of insecurities in my life. There was a lot of things I tried to cover up because I would just use humor as a way to protect myself from the way I looked at myself. And if you were to say, in spite of how my journey appeared to be to others, there was a level of shame that marked my life. The reality of it, though, uh, a lot of that had to do with the way I looked at myself instead of the way God saw me. A lot of my struggles, even growing up in a Christian environment, stem from somehow believing that I had to do something. I had to prove something. I had to be someone to somehow cover up the things that I was ashamed of in who I was. Today, it's not about that personal shame or embarrassment. But I want to say this to you. Some of the struggles that we have in our lives are in part because we miss that the story isn't about us. Paul's going to nail it here in the book of Romans. And as we unpack the next 15 minutes or so together, I hope you'll catch it for even if there are places in your life where like, well, you know what? I really struggle with this. And I'm not minimizing any of those things. I'm simply saying in my life, Part of my own struggle with the way I looked and some other things that were dynamics that were difficult for me growing up had to do with I was seeing myself not the way God saw me, as somebody that he had fearfully and wonderfully made. God created you, who you are. Some of you have journeyed through incredible difficulties in your life. I was blessed with absolutely amazing parents. Parents. My dad grew up in Philadelphia without a father, surviving on the streets. My mom was an immigrant from Poland. My dad passed away about 20 years ago, was killed in a car accident. My dad would love this message because he would say in his life, if I know one thing about my dad when he came to know the Lord in his early 20s, he was not ashamed to be a Christian. He was not ashamed to identify with Christ. But there was something else my dad would love. When I was a college student, sitting in chapels like this, I would call my dad after speakers that were much better than me, but I'd call my dad and say, hey, this speaker said this. And my dad would say, son, that's really good. And then he asked me this question, are you living it? Are you living it? What he was simply saying to me is, it's okay. For, like it will be easy for me to give head acknowledgement that I walk out of here. I grab another pretzel, if I ha- or I grab a pretzel if I haven't had one. And I go on my way and I say, you know what? I need to do this. But what about the next setting that I am in, where maybe people don't identify? We live in a world that's increasingly hostile to the gospel. We live in a world where Christians sometimes don't navigate with the love of Jesus that needs to be on display. We don't live in a winsome way while still being courageous. And so we find ourselves somewhat being ashamed. So we're asking us the question that Paul says in his thesis, this hard question, am I ashamed of being a Christian? And we want to join Dr. Paul today with an emphatic, no, I'm not ashamed of being a Christian. And so we got to ask ourselves, why? Paul's going to spend the rest of the book of Romans, and we'll catch it towards the end of, he says, over and over to help us understand why to not be ashamed. So I want to make sure we understand this. The gospel changes everything because of two things, the power of the gospel and the righteousness of the gospel. Let me say this to you again from my, from my heart. It is very easy for me in my life To somehow say, I know I needed the power of the gospel to save me. But then I revert back to saying, okay, now I need to live in my strength. I want you to think about that in your life as you navigate this semester here at Karen University. Is it gonna be your strength or God's strength in and through you as you think about it? The power of the gospel, the righteousness of the gospel. Let's dive into this a little bit further. The power of the gospel begins with understanding this: Who is the source? See, one of the things that's so easy for us, especially in this setting where we sing, uh, we worship God through song, we go to classes where the Bible is a central part of both not only the classes, the Bible classes you take, but it's integrated into everything that happens at Karen University. It's an incredible environment for you to be in, but it's also a place where you can become very complacent. You can go through the motions. I'll get the Bible. I don't need to spend time my own personal time with God because I'm getting it in so many other places. I can say this from having spent many years working on a Christian college campus. It's amazing how many college students who could put life and energy into their local churches decide, you know what, I've had enough of the word this week. I'm, I'm gonna, Sunday's my day to rest. I don't say that judgmentally. I say that temptation is there. I simply say that, you know what, your local church needs what God is doing in your life and and, and that work, but the reality of it, sometimes I think, you know what, in my life, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, it's the power of God, but then I start to think it's in my energy and my power and my strength, and the reality is it's not my power, my strength. I love how Morris says, Paul does not say that the gospel brings power but that it is power, and it's God's power at that. You don't have to generate the power. If you've trusted Christ as your Savior, the power's already there. It's God's power in your life. The saving takes place through what God has done for us through Jesus. I don't have to manufacture power. All I have to do is simply believe by faith. And now I've connected to the power in my life. In particular, the city of Rome that Paul would have been writing to this church at Thought it knew everything about power. Power is the one thing that Rome boasted the most about. In fact, Wearsby says it this way Greece might have its philosophy, but Rome has its power. So when Paul was going to stand up and preach and teach about a crucified, risen Savior to people who thought they had all the power, that was going to bang heads. Despite all their power, the Romans, like all people, were powerless to make themselves righteous before God. Paul's not ashamed of a gospel centered on a crucified Savior. Let me ask you this, students. Ask myself, Josh, am I ashamed of a gospel centered on a crucified Savior? A God who loves so much that he would send his son to give his life for us, taking our place. That's what we should get excited about. That's what you, as we're singing that song, I want to just break into applause as we're singing in Christ alone. We need to anchor to that with how we live this semester, not just, okay, saving faith. He goes beyond that to how do I live my life this semester? Let's go a little bit further because there's more to this. Not only the power of the gospel but the righteousness of the gospel. And I'll say this to you. This is where if you look through Romans, if you can take, I don't, does somebody teach Romans here as one class or no? Is there really? You need to take the class. It's just the, who's the professor? Maybe I shouldn't say that. No, I'm just kidding. Great professor, whoever's teaching Romans, all right? But this is what Paul is writing and talking about the righteousness of the gospel. And this is where students, my life went off track for a number of years. And even now at 51, even standing in front of you right now, there's a little temptation to say, what is Josh going to bring? And some students said to me just before chapel, I love this, said, hey, may the spirit work through you today. I'm like, that's it. There's nothing I bring. I am a sinner. I have the privilege of being a chaplain for the Lancaster Barnstormers, the independent league uh, in Lancaster where I work, and there's some people that won't come to chapel. They're like, nah, chapel's not for me. I'm like, no, chapel's only for people like you and me. He's like, no, 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 you're the chaplain. I said, no, I'm a sinner. And somehow in our lives, we can lose sight of that, the righteousness of the gospel. Literally, and I'm going to mess it up here for the Greek professors in the room, dikio, I think is how they say it. It means to put in right relationship with. In Romans, Paul uses some form I love this, of this word over 60 times, 60 times he's going to use this word, which we see often translated as justification, just or righteous. That word justification is so powerful because it has this idea of the courtroom and the judge declaring you not guilty. And I'm telling you right now, there are students in the room who are sitting there saying, I'm thinking about the choices I made this weekend and I feel guilty. And you're either going to return to the power of the gospel and the righteousness of the gospel and say, I am forgiven. I am going to live by faith, trusting God that I am forgiven. Not in a way, Paul will talk about it later on, that I just do whatever I want to do with my life. But Paul repeatedly, it proves over and over again, the thesis that he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And over and over in the book of Romans, he's going to say, just, justification, righteous. Some of you need to stay there longer. It makes sense up here, doesn't it? For me, too, it does. It's one of those things my dad would say to me, are you living it, son? Because I can acknowledge it in chapel on Monday morning, but then I can confess to you that I leave, and the first time I make mistake, I start to look and say, okay, Josh, you can do better. <laughs> Not God. Thank you for your forgiveness in my life. Would you live more through me? <laughs> Would, would your righteousness through me? We see it in God's punishment of sin for any sinner who's willing to repent and believe by faith. And I'll say to you, this is something in my life that for so long I rejected. I love 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us. I can't fathom students, that kind of love. I can't fathom it. No sin. God makes Jesus to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Literally, it's saying so that we might become as if we have never sinned. We know ourselves well enough to know that we sin. But the righteousness of the gospel transforms our life. I am praying so hard for you that you will grasp this truth sooner than I am still wrapping my arms around it. One, it's hard to wrap around because I can't comprehend it in what I deserve. But that's what inspires me so much to be intentional about why you're here at Cairn University. It doesn't matter what program you're in. It doesn't matter. Hey, think whatever. If God wants to bless you, in incredible ways in your business career, how are you going to use those resources to point to the power and righteousness of the gospel? Hey, whatever God uses, whatever relationship you have, whatever dynamic you're working through, how do we use this? Say, I'm not ashamed. I'm going to live courageous. I'm going to embrace a bunch of things we're going to see as we get to some verses I want to show you and encourage you as we wrap up here in the next two or three minutes. For me in my life, what I've often failed to live is the fact that God sees me as righteous. I don't know if I can hammer that home enough with you. Because I believe the enemy is beating at you and saying, no, you're not. You did this. No, you're not. You this. And God God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. We're saved by faith to live by faith. That's why this semester is so important. That's why the continued journey for you, what God takes you to as you spend the next one, two, three, four years here, five, six, now hopefully not too much past that, although it's an amazing place to be at, and then launches you out for a lifetime of service for whatever God has for your life to live by that faith. Because of Jesus' finished work on the cross, I am declared righteous when I believe. Literally, God looks at me with all my sin, all my sin, and says, forgiven and righteous. It's not a license to sin. Paul will say that later on. I think in Romans 6, he'll say, but it is a call. Here's my call and challenge to you, to live unashamed of our position because of our right standing. Are you living ashamed? My guess is because you're looking at yourself and not looking to him. Changes the way that I live my life. Righteousness because of Jesus' finished work on the cross. No wonder, watch this as we close. I want to see how many of these promises you'll claim. And you probably can't see it on there because I made it in like four font. Um, But that's okay. Paul continues to prove his thesis with promises like this. We are more than conquerors. Is that you? Is that me? We are more than conquerors. Why? Through him. Some of you need to quit listening to the lies of the evil one and start living like the champion you are in Christ. You're too much buying into the lies. Too much saying, yeah, but you don't understand. I really messed up, Josh. Oh, Hey, I remember looking at one of the guys at chapel with the barnstormers, and he said, you don't understand, Josh. I'm a really, really bad sinner. I said, like, two really? Because I can go more than that. Like, that's it? But there's somehow in us, when we, we don't, when we don't feel like conquerors, we start to live. It doesn't change the fact that we're forgiven and that we're righteous, but we're, we, we're failing to live the identity that God's given us. We are just and justified and righteous. And I love that Paul keeps driving it home over and over again like you're just saying, I I get it, I get it, but we need to be reminded of it. Live your standing, righteous. That should propel us forward to live courageously, to live not ashamed. We are children and heirs of God. What an identity, what an inheritance. God is for us, for if God is for us, who can be against us? Nothing can separate us from God's love. Some of you are are saying, I just wish somebody saw me right now. And I encourage you as students to be looking around all the time and showing God's love to people around you on this campus and in this community that need to see and experience the love of Jesus. But I can say, even if you feel all alone right now, God sees you and He loves you. God knows what you're struggling with, God knows the battles that you're facing. My role of faith then becomes this. My trust in Jesus becomes the basis for the life of those who are justified. Every one of you have trusted Christ as your Savior. You have been declared righteous. Listen, I'm a a lifetime sports fan. I love cheering. As I get older, a little bit less because I just enjoy watching. But I'll come out there and cheer and watch games and, and go crazy. And I watch a few basketball games from home and and the student section entertains me quite a bit, all right? It's just fun to watch. This is the stuff that should bring us to our feet every day. This is what gets us out of bed with more energy than coffee can bring you, okay? Although coffee helps, especially as the semester wears on. But this is the reality. I have been declared righteous, truly the just, the justified. Since I am righteous, let's go live by faith. You get it? So this isn't just a passive response to this. Okay, my life is going to live by a different scoreboard. I'm going to live by faith, trusting that God is keeping track of things. I don't have to gain this world's approval. I can be lovingly courageous in a world that puts down my faith. Because after all, I want to see others rescued by the powerful transformation of the gospel. Students, can you trust God with your life? As you navigate this broken, messed up world. How about claiming your identity as righteous because of the power of the gospel this semester? And then choose to live by faith, trusting God to guide your steps. Let me pray for you. God, thanks for your word. It's truth. Thank you for the power of the gospel that Paul proclaims to people who wanted to put down the power of the gospel. But it wasn't Paul's message. It was the power of God at work through Jesus that changed lives. Help us to embrace the identity you've given us as righteous. And then help us to live by faith this semester. We give you praise and thanks in the name of Jesus. Amen. Have an amazing day.